Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. everyone, this is your host Kelly from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. These stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. Most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. This week's story was recorded at the local gathering in Statesboro, Georgia. Surprised by pregnancy as a sophomore in college, our storyteller Laura shares how God revealed beauty and unconditional love through several unexpected developments, including her parents' gentle, grace-filled response to her news and the family God led her to when placing her baby for adoption. You will definitely want to hear more from Lara about working through the emotions of pregnancy, adoption, and reuniting with her son, and discovering what it means to have hope in God. Here she is. Just truly honored to be here tonight, and, and even as Robin talked about, to be asked to come in. What I speak, when I, I think of it as sharing my story, that's kind of what I am, and I'm sharing my story with just a bunch of friends tonight. Half of you I really actually do know, and it's kind of fun to do this um, in my my town that have my people in them. Um, so I'm really privileged that Leah and Robin and Leslie um, asked me to do this. Um, the thing is, is that we all have a story, right? Like every single one of us in here. And even like Robin said earlier, um, I, I wish that I could hear all of your stories also, which is why I do hope that you might consider um, sharing your story sometime, because I think it's amazing to be able to hear what God has done in other people's lives. Um, and that's why we're here tonight. We just want to hear about um, God's awesome work in each of our lives and just his redemption and how he buys back things and how he works and how he loves us. And so I hope that you'll leave tonight um, hearing through my life and through my story, just how much of an awesome God we serve and that he really does just buy back um, the brokenness in our lives, but also um, how much he just truly does love us and he pursues us. Um, and that we can celebrate all our unique stories and how they are just beautifully woven together. So, so I'm going to share um, kind of some of mine. So I'm going to start by telling just a little bit about my background. Um, I, um, ultimately, I grew up in a just a very loving Christian home. I mean, it was kind of like maybe some of y'all, I was in the church doors every time they were open, um, you know, accepted, asked Jesus in my heart um, as a young girl. And, but honestly, through middle school, through high school, through my early college years, I, even though I had a lot of head knowledge and I had gone to church and I had grown up there, it was all a lot of head. It was very little if any, there was actually one thing that kind of went to my heart in all those years. I also was very insecure, as a lot of women struggle with and a lot of girls struggle with. Um, even at a young age, I remember looking for um, what to fill me up and how to feel special and how to feel loved um, in very not healthy ways in all the wrong places, um, finding my identity and 
people and friendships and boys and all those things. So um, as I went into college, my life pretty spiraled out of control pretty quickly. Um, I definitely began to make choices um, that uh, were definitely just not healthy and were not honoring to the Lord for sure. Um, I don't really have to paint that picture too too much. I'm sure y'all can paint that picture yourselves. Um, but as a um, sophomore, I think I honestly, um, I think the Lord knew that it was going to have to be something big in my life to wake me back up and call himself him to call me back to himself. Um, so I was a sophomore in college. I was 19 years old and about halfway through my sophomore year, um, I wasn't feeling good and thought I had the flu and went to, um, the, I was a student. And so I went to like the local or the on, on campus medical center and heard a very unexpected news. And that unexpected news was you're 19 and you're pregnant. And so here I was, um, from a Christian home. I mean, this doesn't happen in the shared family, right? Like the shared family makes good decisions and are perfect. (laughs) Um, not really. (laughs) And my family wouldn't even say that, but that is, I mean, we had that, you know, that we were the good Christian church going family. Um, so very unexpected. I I was surprised. Um, but obviously I shouldn't have been, um, so at 19, I, I had that unexpected news. Um, y'all, I, for me, for whatever reason, very quickly, I knew that I had to tell my parents. Um, I'm not really sure why that was like my automatic just response to it. Um, so the day that I found out, I drove over to my, um, my family's house. They lived about 10 miles away. I was living on campus, but they lived in the same town. Um, told my mom first. And of course there was tears, there was frustrations, but, um, but I asked her at that point, would you tell dad? And she said, yes, that she would. So I left, went back to my dorm that night. Um, I got a phone call from my sister and she says, Laura, come home. Dad wants to talk to you. So I would say in some ways, like, especially this beginning part of my story and my life, one of the lowest parts of my life, you know, like I was driving back over, driving my car for that 10 minutes. And I remember saying out loud, I hate myself. I hate myself. I hate myself. Like just saying it out loud over and over again, because I was about to walk in and blow my family's life up to to some extent. I knew that this was going to be shameful and embarrassing and all those kind of things. So I walk in the back door and I, um, I'm not really sure what I expected, but I didn't expect what happened. And that was my dad was standing in the kitchen. I came in and full of shame. So, I mean, my head was my head down and he walked straight over to me and wrapped his arms around me and gave me a hug. And I think it was the first time in some ways I truly experienced Christ's unconditional love for me because I knew that wasn't my dad even responding to me. Like, I knew my dad was embarrassed and felt ashamed and did not want to tell everybody in town, but that was not his response to me. He wrapped me in his arms. I wish that I could say that that changed it all and that I was the perfect person (laughs) (laughs) and made perfect decisions. Um, But it was at some time um, before, you know, at that point I was kind of like, I'm going to have this baby. I'm going to get married. And so my parents um, still stayed very um, 
calm. I'm not sure how, but they did. They said calm and they continued to talk with me. And they asked me, this was some weeks later, they asked me, will you go to a pregnancy resource center with us? And I said, yes. And the only reason I went was because I owed it to them almost maybe. Like, okay, fine. I'll do this just to make you happy kind of thing. Um, And so I went and I sat there. And at that point I was still thinking I was going to, you know, parent this baby. And um, I sat there and I listened to um, this gentleman talk to me about my options. And he began to talk about adoption. And I truly knew as I sat there in my heart of hearts, that that was already being, I was already being drawn to that, but I still pushed it. I mean, I still could, I mean, like we all can, you know, like we can push things down and push them away. And as long as you don't admit it, you don't have to deal with it. Right. And so I still kind of moved forward a little bit like that for a few more weeks. Finally, it came to the point where, um, through a line of events, I finally was admitted out loud to somebody. I know that I'm not supposed to get married. The one thing that had gone to my heart, y'all, as a senior in high school, and this is probably the, maybe the one thing that makes me like, I didn't think I really did have the Holy Spirit in me because it was the one thing that I like knew is I wanted to marry a Christian man. The person I was dating was far from it. Not just was he not a Christian man, but he was making super unhealthy decisions too. So I wasn't supposed to marry him. And then I was supposed to place this child for adoption. And I knew that as soon as I said that, those words came out of my mouth. Like I knew a peace that surpasses all understanding washed over me. My parents say that I literally, my looks changed in a week. Like physically, I looked different within a week because as I stepped into that, it was truly the first time I made a a step of obedience because I knew it was what God wanted me to do. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about what I wanted. It was because I knew that creator God loved me, knew what was best for me. And when I made that decision, that piece, like that's what I wanted. That's who I wanted was him. And I, like, I just became super hungry to know more of him for the first time ever in my life. I began to read my Bible. Now I only did what I knew to do. And that was my mom had given me these little journals for years and I'd thrown them in my dorm room drawer and, and they weren't journals. It was the, um, it was, it was um, y'all would totally know it like the fresh bread or daily bread. Daily bread. I'd get that little daily bread out. I'd read my little verse and I'd read my little thing. I'd put it back in the drawer. And then the next night I'd get my little journal, my little thing out, read my little verse, read my little thing. Because that's what I knew to do. Like I knew that I was drawn to him. I knew I wanted to do something. I knew I wanted to get him to know him more. And it was different than what I'd ever experienced. So um, there starts my journey of just really wanting to seek the Lord. And um, in my relationship with him exploded. And I knew that he, the Bible said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And that's what I was doing. So at the same time as I, the whole thing had become like, here I was unexpected again, I'm choosing adoption. Like that's not what I expected. Um, I also had to choose the adoptive family and I wanted that same piece about the adoptive family that I did about the adoption. And so I, in my mind thought that I was going to work with an adoption agency. I was looking at a bunch of profiles and God would have like some lightning bolt and say, that's it. Cause I knew he could do it. I wanted the same piece. So that's what I kind of expected. Well, through the process of doing all that I just said, um, and a, a friend of our families came to me and talked about a couple that we had known when I was in high school who had been had, trying to have children for six years and all the stuff, and they were potentially interested. We started having conversations, 
and graciously by the Lord, one, the one, one thing that, um, I kind of struggled with, I trusted the Lord, knew that he could do everything I just said. But the one thing I just struggled with a little bit is if anybody knew that you could talk the talk and not walk the walk, I knew that because I'd done it for years. So there was something kind of in me that was like, I needed to really know that this, the people that I chose were truly, uh, I work for an adoption agency now, spoiler alert. They're awesome and profiles work and we do our job. But for me, God gave me this couple that said, I know this is a provision that you would like, like you get to know who they are. You get to know the life they've led. You know, it's like, it's authentic and real. And there was parts that just, I mean, it was really awesome to me. So Ricky and Sheila, they're my people. They're who I chose. And, um, again, unexpected, right? Like I, um, that's not how I thought it was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to be people I knew. Um, we did decide, um, that we would not, um, you know, there was not going to be continuous. So my adoption was probably more considered semi open. Um, but we weren't going to stay in contact for the years. You know, I wasn't going to be coming in and out of Brandon's life, but I had a son, (laughs) another spoiler alert. (laughs) So wait a second, let me take a step back for just a little bit hospital. So I choose the adoptive family. Now it's time to prepare for the hospital experience. So I spend the whole summer growing in my relationship with the Lord and preparing for the hospital experience. That's the other big piece um, for birth moms is trying to figure out what that looks like. For me, somebody said to me, how can you say, tell somebody goodbye if you don't tell them hello? And that rung true to me. Like I was like, yeah, like I need to say hello to him. And so, um, the hospital experience was amazing. Like I have tons of pictures. Um, Ricky and Sheila were there. Sheila was in the delivery room with me. She held Brandon first, um, by my choice. I just, and I did hold him, but I wanted her to get to do that first, to have that experience. Um, they were amazing at the respect they showed me during that time. Like they were there, but I also remember them not being there a lot, which gave my family time with him. And so we had pictures and we spent time together. Um, but there was the time to leave the hospital and, um, you know, and I was able to place Brandon in Sheila's arms and walk away and walk out. Um, at that point I left the hospital and moved to Tennessee. So I was moving to a fresh start. I had grown up in middle Tennessee. I had gone to Atlanta for a good bit of the end of my, um, pregnancy delivered there. And when I got out, I moved to East Tennessee. So again, God's provision and just grace and unexpectedness. He moved my family where I got to start all over again. So I'm going to do a super quick 18 year recap, not recap. Cause I didn't really do it yet. 18 year summary. So, um, I moved to Tennessee and, you know, there, um, we got, I got pictures and letters, um, every month that first year. And then I got pictures and letters every year for until he was about 18 years old. Um, I also got an unexpected phone call when he was about 13 months old. Like I said, we had decided that we would not come in and out of each other's lives, but um, Sheila called me and said, I feel like God has laid it on our hearts that we need to offer you and your family a time to see Brandon if you want. And, um, we of course took advantage of that. So I did get to see him when he was 13 months old. And then we got to see him one more time at 18 months old. We knew at that point that would be it because it wouldn't, it would begin to start impacting him. Um, and just for us, that's just personally, that's just how we chose to do things. Um, 
Ricky and Sheila continued to be um, part of my life, though. They came to my wedding. They came to my sister's wedding and without the kids. Um, and super cool God thing, um, Brandon has a brother whose name is Chase, who is exactly one year younger than him that they had. So she got pregnant three months after adopting Brandon. And then um, she got pregnant again, and they lost that baby. And then the next one, they have a she, he also has a sister. Um, Brittany, who is um, like five years younger than him. So he's got siblings, um, which is just really cool to me because for me, when I heard about her being pregnant, I was like, isn't that God, right? Like that was just confirmation to me, like cherry on top. He was, he just held them off so that they could be Brandon's parents. And now um, they still get to experience that too. Um, when I left the hospital, there was a very distinct shift that happened. That shift was, um, I had been on a, in kind of control. Obviously, lots of unexpected things happened that I obviously wasn't in control of. But there was this sense of control as the birth mom. And there's this really distinct shift of authority over Brandon's life. So, you know, from there, it became what I, I, I had to, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what the next 18 years were going to look like. I didn't know if we would meet again. So there was a lot of, like, I wasn't in control anymore. And in those first, in those first 18 years, um, you know, the grief process, I think, is super different for different people. And for me, in the beginning, I mean, those first few uh, weeks and months, I mean, they had some hardness to them, for sure. Um, you know, and I would realize through the years, I'd realize little things like, oh, I'm not going to be present, like, even when he accepts the Lord and is baptized. Or um, I took a trip to Branson, Missouri, um, on a mission trip, and we served this homeless shelter, or homeless um camp, like people living in tents. And I had this overwhelming experience of like, that could have been my life. Like that could be me. Um, and so, you know, there was definitely these triggers in these times, but in all, interestingly, um, it was when Brandon turned 18, that things changed again for me. Um, and again, probably in some really unexpected ways, um, God began to do a work in me, though, and I think and in preparation, a work and preparation and healing, all the above. Um, but he was, um, he prepared me in some, in, in, again, unexpected ways. So one of the first things is the night he turned, I mean, the day he turned 18, I had this dream. And I'll never forget because one of my dearest best friends is here and I called her up the next day and she spent tons of time with me the next day <laughs> um, because it was, I Dreams aren't typically my way that God works in my life, um, but it was extremely real. I had this dream that I had met him, and I had never really had that dream, but I remember so distinctly in the dream having this feeling of completion and loss that I had not felt in a really long time, and it opened up this place in me that God began to just kind of peel back some layers. And again, he was just, he was definitely preparing my heart. And I, he's so gracious because he starts peeling back layers because if he did it all at the same time, it, it would kill us, right? Like we would feel like we, or sometimes we still feel that way. But, you know, it, it was that feeling of a physical hurt. Um, and then, so that was kind of the first step. I started like thinking more about him and thinking more about what this is going to look like and meeting him potentially and those kind of things. Um, he was going to college and actually my parents got to meet him first. Um, again, this was not what I had planned. I had actually had the words come out of my mouth that would not happen. <laughs> um, but God just, again, started working on my heart and changed that. And I, 
begin to feel like, you know what, their relationship with him is way less complicated than mine. This could be a really good thing and a really good thing for him. So they met him. That was still hard. There were still these layers that began to get peeled back for me. Um, then, um, not long after they met him, he actually asked to stop at their house one weekend on the way back to school, which was huge because I also felt like that was him reaching out way more and wanting to know our family. And I still at this point had not met him. And we had kind of had thoughts and plans potentially how that would happen. Um, but I will never forget that weekend. It was for whatever reason, it was probably one of the hardest of the weekends and times that um, kind of going through this. And I think, and the reason is, I really had to walk back through my decision that I had made 18 and a half years ago. Um, I think there was parts of me that hadn't reconciled different emotions that I had and going through that weekend and being able to rewalk through my decision and being able to go back and know that. And what happened was, is I finally came to, I can miss him. I can wish that I had seen him walk his first steps. I can wish that he was part of my vacations. I could mourn and grieve him not being part of my life and want that, like desire it. And at the very same time, I could also know that he was living his best life, that he was exactly where he was supposed to be. And I would still never, ever change it. I still felt peace because I think I wrestled with these emotions going, does that mean I'm regretting? And I couldn't hardly um, handle that. But I was like, oh, and it finally hit me. The Lord was like, you're not regretting. You can feel this. And that does not equal regret because you know, without a shadow of doubt, being able to go back to that foundation, I know what I had done was what God wanted me to do and that he had lived his best life. Done. So done through a really hard, painful <laughs> um, couple of days. And, and it also prepared me to meet him. So after waiting for 19 years and waiting on God's timing, um, set, y'all, September 14th, two days from now, um, I got to meet Brandon for the first time as an adult, um, which was about seven years ago. Well, it was seven years ago. So, um, you know, leading up to that weekend, um, those couple of weeks leading up were pretty intense. Again, just that, you know, just that God's pruning out things and healing and the pain being healing. Um, I, but the Lord gave me a verse, and I think we're actually going to get to take it home tonight on this really beautiful card that Robin made. But um, he gave me a verse that I literally wrote on my hand, and it was Psalm 62, 5, and it's, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. And y'all, in this verse, that hope, so my hope comes from Him, can also be translated expectations. And so my expectations had to come fully holy from the Lord. Even through that weekend, I had, I had no idea of what to expect. I didn't know what was going to come after. I didn't know, I didn't know anything, but what I knew is I had the opportunity to do this. I was stepping forward and I had to give all my expectations and my hopes um, to the Lord. So uh, there's a definition of hope is this. I think this is awesome. Hope is confident expectation rooted in God's promises and its strength is in his character. So let me shorten it up and make it like super short if you're, miss, if you're having a hard time following it. So hope is confident expectation that's rooted in God's character and his promises. 
And that's, um, you know, what I walked into that weekend, just surrendering it to the Lord. Um, I got to see him play college football. He played college football for Gardner Webb. I got to see him play a game. Um, we got to meet. We got to take tons of pictures. He met my children. Um, so my children finally got to meet the brother who didn't live with them <laughs> that they'd always known about. <laughs> um, and he looks just like my son. <laughs> he even posted afterwards, he posted a picture of, of uh, Brandon and Will together and put like my mini me, um, which was super sweet. Um, another little side note that was amazing was, and probably unexpected, was um, I really wanted to go in the weekend and not be super emotional. I did not want this to be a cry fest. I did not want this to be, I don't know, fill in the blank. Um, and y'all, and not because I didn't want to be myself, don't get me wrong, but I didn't want to make him, what's really probably make him feel uncomfortable. Um, and y'all, I went into that weekend and I did not cry. And I'm not sure, that, I, I honestly think this is a God thing, not a like, not God thing. I think this is a, totally the Lord. I did not cry the whole time. Like I entered into that town until I left that town. Not one tear, not that night after I met him, not the next day. I got 10 miles out of that town <laughs> and I completely lost it. <laughs> but, I, you know, it was, it was, it was really miraculous. <laughs> it truly was. Um, so but what I did leaving that weekend is I realized that this is what characterized my whole journey, right? So there were so many places that I had God moments and God had pointed me in directions and God had provided and had provided peace. And in so many places, things that I didn't expect, it didn't look the way I thought it was going to look. It didn't play out the way that I thought it would. So he was all over the unexpected. And so I'm still living there seven years later. My relationship with his, him with, has absolutely grown. Um, I got to go to his engagement party this last week, uh, not week, this last summer. Um, he's engaged and they had an engagement party and uh, my whole family went. And I mean, what and just a blessing. He introduced me as his birth mom. Like, I'm like, <laughs> um, so it really, it's, it has grown. But I still have to live in the, all my expectations have to be from the Lord. I don't, I still don't know where everything's going to go. I still don't know how everything will look. Um, but I think we all live there, right? That's all our stories. All our stories is where we have to trust God with all our outcomes. Um, open hands, as some of us in the room like to say. Um, I want to read all to out loud um, our spiritual story. Okay. So this is all of our spiritual story. Um, I know it's mine and I'm pretty sure it's most of yours. Um, this is Ephesians two, one through 10, and it's out of the message. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all of this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. 
Now God has us where he, now God has us where he wants us with all the time in the world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. That last verse, um, Ephesians 2.10, out of the New Living is, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You know, that, that's the redemption story, right? Like God working all things good for those who love him, that he buys back our story and he buys back our sins. He buys back our hurts, our brokenness, our suffering. Um, I was sharing with somebody today, you know, my story is a story of redemption and it was because of my sin, right? Like some people go through really hard things because they lose a loved one or they are, um, go through cancer or, you know, things that happen to them that are suffering, which he buys back too, which is amazing. But he bought back my sin. Like he bought my, my screw up, right? Like, like the ugly he's now made absolutely beautiful. And the, in that now it's even to some ways, even like just so cool to me. Um, you know, God knew all this was going to be part of our masterpiece and every single one of, I'd like that word too, masterpiece. And if you think of about a masterpiece, think about like a painting or maybe a cross stitch masterpiece or a statue or something. If you go really like super close up on that masterpiece, is it going to be pretty? Like if you're looking at like, you know, this big much of it? No. But if you like go back and you look at the whole thing, then it's beautiful. And that's what he's doing with each and every one of our lives. Um, And that's where hope is, and that's God's promise to us. It's a promise. Um, So full circle, unexpected, obviously, ways that God has worked. I have to add this in at the end because this is super awesome talking about redemption. Um, So I'm 24. At this point, I'm 27 years post-placement, okay? But 24 years post-placement. For years, I'd been a stay-at-home mom. I had done some part-time jobs, um, loved being a mama and all those things. But I had always been like, okay, Lord, what do you want? Like, what do you want me to do? What do you mean? Going through all that, right? Well, two and a half years ago, so 24 years post-placement, I was 43. I had to write like these numbers down because I wouldn't be able to remember them. I was 43 years old, and I walk in to a pregnancy resource center here in town. I sent across from Allison Waters and I'm there for interview for, to volunteer. I'm just like, you know what? God has started laying on my heart. You know what? You've shared, you've offered your story many times. I've always done that. I kind of would go in and say, Hey, here's my story. If anybody wants to talk to me, I'm open. But I went in saying like, I want to do more. Like I want to be involved. What can I do? I sit down for my volunteer interview. And within five minutes, Allison says, I know you're here for a volunteer interview, but 
we want to change it to a job interview. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> so two and a half years ago, I got to start re- working at Choices of the Heart here in Statesboro um, Pregnancy Resource Center. And it has been truly just to be able to sit down across women who are in pregnancy situations that are unexpected and scary and in crisis and just not sure what they are going to do and feeling overwhelmed and to be able to come alongside of them and say, it's going to be okay. And, and to be able to educate them, to love on them, to be able to tell them what their options are and be able to say, if you, if you want to choose life for your baby, we can help you do that. So there's all, it's such a joy. Like, I mean, it blows my mind that I get to go do that for work. Well, I would have done it for a volunteer, but I'm really glad it's my work. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I already spoiled this. So a couple of months ago, through working at Choices of the Heart, um, I had gotten connected um, and spoken with the director, spoken with the director of Covenant Care Adoption Agency, which is a statewide, um, Georgia statewide adoption agency that has some connection and rates here in Statesboro. And I had spoken with their director at an event and, um, actually the person's job that I took at choices started working at covenant care and works for them and take and does, um, North Georgia is the client counselor in North Georgia. So she already knew me. She was in this interview with, you know, Allison, she's the one who actually was telling Allison before the interview, this is who you need to hire. And Allison was like, you're crazy. No, I'm not. And then she did. (laughs) Um, but she started working for covenant care. I spoke with the director. They had a birth mom luncheon back in the spring. They asked me to speak at it which was an honor. Well, around that time, their director calls me out of the blue. Okay. Unexpected. Okay. Are we following the unexpected theme here? Unexpectedly calls me on the phone and says, would you ever consider working for us? I'm like, what? <laughs> um, and so now I have two jobs. <laughs> I do um, choices of heart and I get to walk with women who are even considering at this point, a lot of times now I'm getting to start working with women who now they have chosen life for their babies. We know that for sure, but they're trying to choose between parenting and adoption. And I get to sit down with them and talk to them about what that looks like. Um, and crazy enough, so two, two weeks ago yesterday, I met with a client. That Friday, she chose a family, and we did birth father surrenders, went smoothly. Monday, we did a pre-birth meeting. Mama got to meet adoptive family. Tuesday night, she um, water broke. Wednesday night, she had a baby. Thursday night, at 7 o'clock, which is what time I was supposed to be here (laughs) last week, um, we were signing papers with the birth mama, and baby went home with the adoptive family two days later. Um, So I got to walk through the whole first-time process um, with somebody else, which I had kind of worked with women before who had chosen that, don't get me wrong, but for for in this, that fully, um, walking through that. And it was just precious. It was precious to be able to be a part of this with the birth mama who I fell in love with and, um, to get to support her and, um, and, um, see this family that, you know, they wanted a baby for a really long time, like 16 years. So, um, a week ago, that's where I was right now. So, you know, that to me, just shows, even if you're waiting on something, y'all, there's something in your life that you're like, there's more, I'm wanting more, and you're just not sure what it is or whatever. Just knowing that 
that God has the timing and he does have something. And, you know, it was 43, I was 43 years old before I got to kind of get to do some of the things I'm like now passionate about, which was perfect timing. Now looking back, I'm like, that was perfect. I had to do all kinds of changing and growing and healing and having my own children, you know, so it's just perfect timing. Um, and years ago, my mom, even not too long after, um, I placed Brandon, my mom said that she would never change my past if she wouldn't be guaranteed that I was the person that, that I was that day. And, um, you know, to have your, I knew I had hurt her, you know, and, and it was hard for them. That wasn't easy. And that she, um, him and my mom and my dad both had um, walked through that with me so sweetly. See, y'all, God is so trustworthy and he is love and he embraces us all. And he is the one who works in our unexpectedness and our hopes and all those things. Um, so um, I just want to remind you that, yes, and we need to remind our souls, yes, my soul, find rest. I think a lot of us just need rest, rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Thank y'all so much. Thanks for joining us today for Laura's story. One of the most profound thoughts that she shared was that feeling grief doesn't necessarily mean regret. And I'm sure this realization gave her freedom to acknowledge her sadness while also resting in confidence that she had done what was best for her son. Sometimes wise choices are emotionally hard, but as Laura mentioned, God buys back the brokenness. That's a beautiful thought. Next Wednesday, we'll have another new story to share, so be sure to subscribe to whatever platform you use so you'll be reminded when the episode releases. You can also get the latest news on our social media or on our website, which is storytellerslive.org. Thank you for choosing to listen to Storytellers today, and we hope that you'll join us again soon.